Once again, just as a reminder, my name is Stuart Mazell, I'm pastor here, and uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for those who are joining us online or who are listening on our podcast. We are starting a, a new series today that we have entitled Gospel Living, and we will talk more about that in the sermon proper rather than give you an, um, an introduction to it now. I'll introduce it when we're doing the sermon Um, But if you would like to turn in your own Bible or in a Bible that you uh, have on your uh, electronic device, you can turn to Colossians chapter 3, or you can just look at the screen up here. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 4. This is Paul writing to the church in Coloss ages ago, but the Holy Spirit still speaks to us today through these very words. So let's hear what the Spirit has to say to the church today. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we hear these words, and in some ways, they're a shock to our system. We need you to change our mind and our hearts so that we hear your voice clearly and we respond with true faith, with true repentance, and with true obedience. Holy Spirit, we need you to uh, rewire our minds so that we think the way that we are made to think, both as being in the image of God and as being a new creation in Christ. Holy Spirit, we need you to empower us to be able to hear and respond correctly. So would you work in our hearts and our minds and our very souls today. There are people here today who need to hear this because they do not believe and they need Christ. There are those who know Christ, but they are straying from him, and they need to return. There are those here who just need encouragement. There are those who need all sorts of things. Lord, you know what we need even before we ask. So would you meet us where we are today and cause our minds to really be moved from earthly things to heavenly things in the right way so that you would be honored, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we would be built up into Christ, and that overflow would go out into the community around us in in love and joy and goodness. And we pray all of this in your name, Jesus, and for your glory along with the Father and the Holy Spirit, our one true God. Amen. 
So um, I have never been to the Dublin Zoo in Ireland, but I have been told that it is one of Ireland's most popular family attractions. You can see over 400 animals there, but allegedly you can also find this sign. I don't know if you were able to read that, but if you are not, let me read it for you. It says, do not stand, sit, climb, or lean on zoo fences. If you fall, animals could eat you, and that might make them sick. Thank you. Now, quick disclaimer, like I said, I've never been to the zoo in Dublin, and since photoshopping is a thing, it is possible that this is fake. I don't really know. I did try to investigate. I just could not find anything definitive. But regardless of whether it's real or not, it is a great example of having one's priority mixed up. I mean, I don't really want an animal to get sick. But generally speaking, when I, I'm pretty sure that in my own value system, getting eaten by an animal is a higher value than making an animal sick. In fact, if I am eaten by an animal, I kind of hope that that animal does get sick. That's comeuppance for eating me. Mixed up priorities. That's what the sign represents to me. And, and all of us are subject to having them. All of us have a tendency to have something screwy in our value system. All of us can fall into the trap of being confused about our morals, about having muddled ideas, about having topsy-turvy standards. All of us can have those problems. And that's one of the reasons why the Holy Spirit can speak to us today through Colossians 3 and meet us where we are. Because when we're thinking about values, when we're thinking about priorities, when we're thinking about standards, when we're thinking about our ideals, even when we're thinking about life itself, there's one thing that this passage makes clear and that's this, Christ is central to everything. Christ is central to everything. Now before we get into Colossians 3, if you're reading Colossians, you have to go through Colossians 1. And in Colossians 1, we read these words, For by him, and this is talking about Jesus, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he, again, this is Jesus here, this is Christ, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. You hear that last phrase? That in everything he might be preeminent. That is, that he would be central. That he would be most important to everyone and everyone all over everywhere. Because Christ is central in everything. And I want you to notice that this is stated as truth. It's stated as fact. It's not stated as an opinion. 
Paul isn't saying, oh, well, in my opinion, I think this is the way it is. No, he states it as if it is objective reality. It's not even on the table to discuss whether this is true or not. He says it is. And just really quickly, um, whether we believe this is true or not doesn't change the fact that if it is true, it's true. Whether you're a Christian or not. Whether you believe in God or not. Whether you even believe there is such a thing as objective truth or not. What Paul is saying is Christ is central, period. And many in our day hold to the idea that something can be true for me, but it not be true for you. You've probably heard that. Maybe you even thought that. What's true for me may be true for me, but it's not true for you. What's true for you may be true for you, but it's not true for me. That works great when it comes to preferences, okay? Preferences. Like, for example, one of my all-time favorite milkshakes, pineapple milkshake. If you've never tried one, you are missing out. Pineapple milkshake is the bomb. It is awesome. It is great. Now, you may be thinking a pineapple milkshake sounds disgusting. Or you may be thinking, Stuart, have you ever had a chocolate milkshake? I think chocolate milkshakes would rank higher than pineapple. Well, that's preference. That's opinion. That's something that's based on what I feel or think about something and what you think or feel about something. But what we're talking about here is something that is outside of ourselves. There is such a thing as objective reality. And that's what Paul is getting at in this passage. And I want you to think about this. If, let, me, let me show you an example of this. If I was driving down Broad Street at the busiest time of day, all right, and I want to turn left at the traffic light, okay, busiest time of day, I want to turn left, it does not matter what I believe the stoplight color is. What matters is what the stoplight color really is. Because I can tell you, if I think it's green when it's actually red and I turn left, I'm going to regret having turned left. And you know that. And we all live that way. And yet at the same time, we make these comments like, well, that's true for you, but it's not true for me. Again, that works for preferences but not for something that is outside of ourselves. And that's what Paul is saying. Something outside of ourselves is that Christ is central. Objective truth, true truth, truth that is outside of me and you, exists above my preferences, above my opinions, and it does not depend upon whether I believe it or not to be true. All right? Everybody straight on that? We, we got, we, you, you, you uh, picking up what I'm laying down here? Okay, so, and that is the way Paul states his point in Colossians 1. Christ is central to everything, whether we believe it or not, whether we live like it or not. Christ is central because that's the way God made it. And it is objective reality that we can either embrace or we can dismiss, but whether we believe it or not doesn't change the fact that it's true. 
Christ is central to everything. Charles Spurgeon, who was a a Baptist pastor um, in the 1800s, he got this. And this is a great quote by him. He says, if you leave... You have left the waters out of the sea and the floods out of the river. You have left the harvest out of the year, the soul out of the body. You have left joy out of heaven. You have robbed all of its all. He got it. Christ is central to everything. And if you leave him out, something is missing. Something huge is missing. Let's be honest. The idea that Christ is central and not me, not you, not us, that rubs us the wrong way. It goes against the grain of where our society has gone. In fact, in 2014, researchers at the University of Michigan published a study about self-centeredness. And what they found was self-centeredness has been increasing over the last century. And if you think about it, there's at least something to that conclusion, right? Because this is an age of self-actualization and self-awareness. This is the age of the self-made man or the self-made woman. This is the age in which self-esteem and self-assurance and self-care are all very important values. This is the age of self-expression and self-fulfillment and self-discovery. This is an age of selfies. Right? There is an increasing sense of self in our society today where as an individual I want to give voice to my thoughts, my feelings, my wants, my needs, and maybe, just maybe, I might consider yours. But what's most important is me. You heard that? You seen that? You felt that? It's rampant. No wonder we live in an age today where the words self-absorbed and narcissist are used more than ever before. And in case you're thinking, yeah, that fits me to a T, well, for the low, low price of $16.99, any one of us can buy this T-shirt and let the world know what we're really tempted to think. I hope you are able to see that. That's an actual t-shirt that you can buy on Amazon, which says, I am the center of the universe. Any takers? $16.99, it's a steal. But I hope this doesn't come as a surprise to any of us. We are not the center of the universe. We're not even the center of our own lives. Christ is. Christ is central to everything. Whether we believe it or not, whether we like it or not, whether we want it or not, Christ is central. 
And now, for those of you who are believers, this is where it it narrows in and it gets even more significant. Because for those who follow Jesus, this truth is to be embraced fully. Christ is central whether you believe or not, whether you are a Christian or not. But for those who say, I follow Jesus, for those who say, I am a Christian, for those who say, I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead, and now I follow him, this truth that Christ is central is to be embraced fully. And that's what we see in Colossians 3. That's where Paul is getting this from. He says in verses 1 and 2, If then... You have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. So what Paul is saying is, because Jesus is in the heavenly area, in the heavenly realms, that's where our focus needs to be. Not on myself, but on Christ. Now, if you're looking at that passage and you're thinking, wait a second, Stuart, wait a second. I have heard that that old adage, that old saying, that Christians are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. You've heard that, right? Christians are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. All they do is they're thinking about heaven and heaven and heaven while the world is just going down around them because they're not involved, they're not engaged, they're not connected. All that focus on heaven is really bad for us here on earth. that's, That's the comment that you often may hear. But C.S. Lewis nails it when he says this. And here's the quote. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were those who thought most of the next. The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. That's a powerful quote that we need to recognize. We need to let that sink in. Because all of us, every single one of us, thinks more about going on here and now than we do about eternity. Let's be honest about that. Let's not try to put on the the Christian face and say, Oh, praise God, I think about eternity more than I do anything else. You like that accent, don't you? It's, it's just not true. We are, as the hymn writer says, prone to wander. We're, we're prone to leave the God we love. And it's just so easy for us just to focus on what's in front of us. 
In fact, recently I told a good friend of mine, a friend who has been my friend since the early 90s, okay, that, that long of a friend, and I hadn't called him in years, years. And I told him, I am a terrible friend. And he said, yeah, you are. No, he didn't say that. He said, no, 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 you, 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 we're both very busy. And I said, yeah, but here's the problem. We get so focused on what's in front of us, we forget what's around us. We forget what those most important things are that aren't right in front of us. And that's what happens to me, and that's why I don't call you. Because I'm so focused on what's in front of me that I miss what's most important. And that's what this is about. In Colossians 3, he says, Seek the things that are above where Christ is, He's, who is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are earth. Because Christ is central. Our focus should be on Him, who He is, what He's done for us, what He is doing, what He will do, what He values, what His priorities are what he thinks is most important. And if we are believers and we do that, we will seek the things that are above because that's where Jesus is. Ruling and reigning as King of kings and Lord of lords. We will set our minds on the things that are above because all the goodness and glory and wonder and joy of who God is is found in Christ. Found in Jesus. if I can really just massage this in just a little bit more, we focus on Christ and not on the things of the world because Christ is central, not us. We, we focus on what is central because Christ is central, not the things of this life. Christ is central, not our nation. Christ is central, not our political stances. Christ is central, not even our denominations. Christ is central, not our rules and regulations. Christ is central, not our rights or our desires or our wants. Christ is central, not our successes or what we leave behind as a legacy. Christ is central, not even our safety, our ease, our comfort, our recreations, our amusements, our entertainments. Christ is central, and nothing else on earth has the same value as Jesus. And Christ is central, and therefore that's why we live our lives as believers, as followers of Jesus, in a way that demonstrates that we believe that. I mean, think, think about what Jesus said to his disciples when they asked him how to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, he tells them, this is the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, pray like this. And, and many of you know this prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you see how different that is than some of the prayers that we offer? Because we tend to say, our Father in heaven, I really am glad that you are in control of everything. I need some stuff. Right? I need. My will be done. My kingdom come. That's what I want. I want my name to be set apart. But what Jesus says is, no, Remember what's most important. It's God's name that we want to be all over the world in His glory, to be seen by everyone, to cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. 
It's His kingdom that we want to come in all of its fullness because that's where things will be righteous and good and peaceful and joy and joyous and wondrous. It's His will being done here on earth, not mine, not yours, His. And that's what it means to follow Jesus, to want His will, His kingdom, His name to be honored. And that's where we get the title of our sermon series, Gospel Living. Because gospel living is simply living out of the reality of what we have in Christ. Gospel living is simply living out of the reality of what we have in Christ. If we really recognize that Christ is central, that He is King of kings and Lord of lords, that He is our Savior, that He has saved us from this evil age, that He has saved us from our sin and He is making all things new. If we do realize that He is everything to us, then we live that way. And that's what this passage is saying. Again, Colossians 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ. What is he talking about there? Being raised implies that at one point you were dead. That you were dead in your own sins. That you were dead to the things of God. That you were dead in some way, fashion, or form. And God wanted you to be alive. And so you have been raised with Christ. If that's true for you, then seek the things that are above. Not the things that are on this earth. Seek Christ and what He wants to bring to this world. Uh, Verse 2. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things on earth. Why? For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ and God. Your your old life is gone. You're a new creation in Christ. You have new values, new priorities. You have new standards, new uh, ideals. Everything about you is now changed and directed towards what God wants in Christ. In fact, your whole life is hidden in God because of Jesus. And then verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Think, Think what that verse is saying. Christ is your life. Your life isn't even your life. Christ is your life. Christ is the center of your whole existence as a Christian. And so, if that's true, when He appears, when He returns with all of His glory, and He deserves every bit of the glory that is given to Him, He is willing to share some of that glory with you as His people. You too will appear with Him in glory. Jesus won't return in glory and go, okay, I'm awesome, you all know that, but you guys, you need to stand over there. You know, you're the scrubs. You're the red shirts. You're the people who, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to get any of this glory. Nah, it's all about me. No, Jesus is saying, yes, I am glorious, but I'm going to share that glory with you. Come with me. Come be with me 
and share in this glory. There's a, a prayer that, uh, it's a lo- much longer prayer than what I'm going to share with you today, but it's called the, the Prayer of St. Patrick. And, it, and it's one that reminds me of this, this truth. It, it says, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down. Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. Let me say, if we prayed that kind of prayer and lived that kind of life, what difference would it make at Westminster Presbyterian Church? In Sumter, South Carolina, a little old Sumter, what difference would that make if we all prayed and lived this way? I think it would be massive, a massive, impressive change in the way we interact with people and the way we live and even the way we're seen. So you all know that uh, at the end of my sermons, I do little action points. So I got, I got three for you today. And I really do want you to take stock in this. I really do want you to take these action points home with you and think through them. The first action point, based on all we've heard today, is this. Evaluate. Evaluate your priorities and values in light of Christ. Evaluate. Just sit down and say, okay, what really are my values? And, and not like what I, what I really think are my values, but like day in and day out, my functional values, the things that I actually do Monday through Saturday, what are my values? And if you're having a hard time figuring out what your values are, I got three ways that you can do that. First, How do you use your money? Money is a huge indicator of what we really value. Where does your money go? Two, time. When you have spare time, and I know some of you say, I don't have spare time, but when you do have spare time, what do you spend that time doing? Number three, your resources. How do you use your resources? Are your resources for building your own kingdom? Or are your resources for doing something else? Like following Jesus. Seeing His kingdom built. Evaluate your priorities and values in the light of Christ. And then second, align your priorities and values to Christ. Once you've evaluated and you say, okay, well, I spend a little bit too much time watching Netflix. Guilty. Okay, so how do I take my time and align it to the priorities that Jesus has for me? Watching Netflix isn't sinful necessarily, and it's not even wrong necessarily. But how can I better align my values with who Jesus is, what Jesus has called me to? And then finally... 
Make time daily to focus on Jesus. Make time daily to focus on Jesus. Because this passage tells us to fix our minds on those things that are above where Christ is, where he rules and reigns. So we need to take at least some time every day to think, who is Jesus? What has he done for me? What is he calling me to do? What does he want in the world around me? Right? So just take some time to focus on Jesus. Now, if you've ever been on a... (laughs) I can't grab my phone. If you've ever um, seen a symphony orchestra, you know that at the beginning of the concert, they tune up. And um, if you've never been, I'll show you what it sounds like. I'll show you what it sounds like. That makes sense. I'll let you listen to what it sounds like. So, you've heard this before? You know, the symphony is, they're getting ready, and they're tuning. Last time I went to one of those concerts, I was making jokes about how that was the best song that they played, but... Um, probably not the best thing, way to spend my time. Okay, so anyway, what they do when they tune, though, if you notice, they don't tune their instruments to themselves. In other words, the violinist doesn't go, okay, I'm going to tune my instrument just to itself. And the celloist doesn't say, okay, I'm just going to tune my instrument just to itself. And the trumpeter doesn't say, okay, I'm just going to tune my trumpet just to itself. Because that would be disastrous. That would be, if every instrumentalist tuned their instrument to their own inner sense of what it is to be in tune, the result would be hard on the ears. It would sound a little bit more like, instead of a professional orchestra, it would sound like you know one of those beginning orchestras. You know, the little scratchies. Obviously, you've never been to one of those concerts if you don't remember that. But instead of tuning each instrument to itself, what the orchestra does is they have one instrument, one lead instrument that plays a note, and everybody tunes to that one instrument so that they can play together and sound good together and be good together, right? The same is true in the symphony of life. Christ is the one who is playing the tune. He's the one that's playing the note. And we don't tune to ourselves. We tune to Him. And when we do, we will make beautiful music together. Our lives will be glorious because they are tuned to Him, not just to ourselves. So, folks, let's devote ourselves fully to Jesus. Let's devote ourselves fully to Jesus because He is natural. And let's do that in all that we are and all that we think and all that we do. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, these are hard concepts in some ways to devote ourselves to you in every way 
to see you as central in the way we choose what we do on Monday morning through Saturday, not just Sunday. But Lord, we know that that is the way we were designed to be in the first place, and it certainly is the way we are designed as new creations in Christ. So Holy Spirit, will you help us to grow in this way? that we really would live out the gospel, that we really would live out the good news of Jesus because of what you've done for us, Jesus, because of your death and resurrection, because of the life that you give us, that we would live out that life and that our lives would show more and more of your glory, of your truth, of your goodness, of your values, your priorities, And we pray that this would be who we are as a church for your glory again, for our good, and for the good of the community around us. In Jesus' name, amen.